This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, here. here. Yeah. And it'll probably go to the next page or the other side. I don't know which one. What does the other side say on it? Ramam was speaking in Halacha Tess about the different um, figures of speech used to describe God's head or, or, or God's hands and so on. And he said, obviously, there is no such thing as any corporal feature of God, and therefore um, it can't be referring to that. So the Ramam has a problem with that. Yud. Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem, and it's going to be about two show me your glory. If it is impossible for a for a per, if God has no features, then how did he want to see God's glory? So he explains. He wanted to understand the truth of God's existence until he, it would be so clear in his heart it's like you see a person that um, you, you you met him face to face, and you and the the person's features or the person's appearance had become engraved in your memory. So that that person is distinct in his mind from other people. We'll read it first, and then um, okay, let's uh, let's explain it first. He contrasts this with seeing the back of somebody, which is a um, type of which is what Akash Baruch told him: you cannot see my front, but you can only see my back. He does explain it a little bit here. He explains it a little bit more in two other places, and let's see if we'd be able to read it a drop inside. Is the Gemara of Hodesar over there? With Avos, uh, the Rambam in his okay. The Rambam says the same point in a little bit more elaborate way in two other places. One is the Moranavucham, obviously, and one is in Pirush Hamishnayis. It's the Rambam's explanation on Mishnayis. He has on Pirkei he has a Pirush. His introduction to Pirkei it's called Shmona Prokham, which means eight chapters. And the reason, believe it or not, is because it's eight chapters. And mm-hmm. it's, it's known as the eight chapters. And over there, he discusses a bunch of things that are discussed here and discussed later. This is in the seventh chapter. And he says, like this, and...
He called the real understanding of God as seeing something face to face. Why? Not because there are features that you can actually pick up with your eye. When a person sees his friend face to face, He's got a clarity of, um, he, he, he's got the person so clear that he does not mix him up with someone else. When you see somebody from the backside, even though you can tell, all right, this looks like so-and-so, but he says, sometimes he, he hesitates, it's not clear if that's him, and becomes confused with somebody else. Knowing a Kaddish Baruch who clearly is understanding it so well, so that nothing else, the person doesn't perceive anything else to be similar. Um, let's let's explain what it means over here because it's a very important point, to Rambam. One. Let's ask it, so to speak, as as a, as a, something that's very far away. We feel that we can't see because our eyes are not um, powerful enough to pick up something very far away. That that's our sort of gut understanding. How come we can't see the threads in this garment, in this tablecloth? Um, it, it's certainly close enough to us. It, it doesn't. It, what is exactly what we're missing? So the answer to that is what we would call resolution, that the, the eye can see borders and boundaries up to a certain point. And if you don't see borders and boundaries, somebody who's nearsighted or farsighted and, and, and it's out of, if someone's out of focus, the problems in resolution, you're seeing it. In other words, if I don't have my glasses on, um, I see everything, but, but, but that seeing is meaningless because my eye doesn't give the boundaries to each thing that it needs. So, can I say I don't see it? No. But the seeing that I see is worthless because it's one hodgepodge of colors and, 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 and things. So that means seeing something and, and clearly requires a clear resolution of it. If you don't have a clear resolution of it, um, then, then what's happening is different things blend together and you can't pick that out. Um, a person using... Uh, using optical means to see something gets to a point where the imperfections in the glass just turn into a blur and that's why microscopes, optical microscopes just, they have a bottom line of, of, of clarity that's it, you can't pick up less than that because glass uh, it, it will just not get finer than that you won't be able to do it now, the Rambam explains here by Rikos in the following way it's almost axiomatic. I mean, and the same thing is true whenever you want to... Any time you build an instrument for seeing something or, or for, um, for analyzing something, the, your problem is once you get down to a small enough entity, then the tool that you're using becomes too coarse. In other words, it, it, you can't use an electron to see an electron. You know, you, 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 you need to have, the tweezers have to be more delicate than the thing you're tweezing, or, or else, or, or, you know, or, or else you can't, you can't grab 
with a, with, a, with a crowbar you can't pick up a butterfly. It's just not going to work because it's going to smash it. it. It it affects it too much. In other words, the thing that you're using as a tool to analyze it has got to be finer, or at least as fine as the thing you're analyzing. And that's why if somebody's got very um, somebody's got very thick hands and fingers and they're very strong and powerful, so he can do anything. The only thing he can do is thread a needle. Because you know he's he's you know he hel- he's helpless you know it, it just it, it just they're too thick they're too coarse the the the, um, the, it, it, the the you need a very fine finger to thread something well and and so on um, I I know I I have an eye surgeon that lived in my building in Arzabira uh, very fine and you know people told me that he's a great eye surgeon I I once looked at his hands I said. They're, you know, they look almost like like a ballerina. You know, it, it, it's got these fine, thin, you know, eloquent hands, fingers. Obviously, you could not, you couldn't work on something fine if you had just these big, meaty. You know, orthopedic surgeons have, you know, these these nice big hands, and and that, you know, I think that's why women. I think that's almost the only medical profession women are not in is orthopedic, real orthopedic surgery. It's, you, you can't, you know, you have to be able to move a foot in there. You, you can't. It's. Uh, but Agbani, you need the thinness of it. So now, the, um, the th- how do we understand things by using certain mental building blocks? If I describe justice to you, so there's no way I can, you can't see justice. In other words, um, table, I can see table and say table. Justice, I have to give a lot of examples and you get the picture. So a picture of somebody stealing, and then we take money from him, and we find him, uh, you know, somebody killing, and we kill him, and, and so on and so forth. The, you know, justice is a lot of mishalom, and these mishalom are used, so to speak, to, to, to present to us that material. The finer the idea is, and a person can never ever free himself from, um, free himself from mishalom, from analogies because our mind is physical. Nobody can think of abstractions as abstractions because your mind is a physical entity it, 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 and, and the um, tools it uses are physical correlations. So even when I speak of justice and I can try to, to present it in, in a um, you know, in, in as abstract and conceptual as possible, somewhere down the line my mind still sees the picture of a thief hanging from the gallows. In other words, I, I, I need to have some physical uh, material that you see. A Baruch Hu, we understand in the world. So a child who can't really conceptualize understands a, a God as a, you know, an old man with a white beard, as a flying angel, and so on. And it gets older, and it gets a more of a fine understanding of it. But no matter how brilliant and how refined his thinking is, he still is going to be using a human mind whose basic components are physical. You just can't free yourself from it. That's, that's, as long as the mind, as long as the mind is using the brain as its tool of thinking, it's limited to physical. That's it. So, the, the bottom line of understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is limited to what a brain can. And, and a brain is physical, and therefore there is a bottom line of how fine the understanding can work. Okay. So the first thing the Ramam says in the, in, in the seventh paragraph in, 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 in Shmona Prokim is that uh, the thing that obstructs 
a person from really understanding God is what he calls the curtain of physicality. Mesach and is a curtain, the mechitza of masach he calls it of the chomer. You you are always you're always operating with a glove on the hands, and somewhere along the line that blunts the fine ability to you don't have that fineness of picking it up exactly. So no person can possibly understand Hashem while he is in a body, simply because while you're in a body, your thought process is through the brain. And the brain is physical, and, and it's physical, the software is physical, not only the hardware is physical, because the hardware is physical, the software is physical. And that's why the person, try as he can, there's always some sort of clumsiness that reaches a limit to how far it can it can understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu. not seeing but grasping the concept of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as such that, that is that, it, there's a bottom line to that so the Ramam says that that's called the Mechitza and every prophet is a layer better than somebody else and Moshe Rabbein was the ultimate but still that's the limit of it there's a Medrash that says a person can't see me and live. That's what the Pasik says. So Medrash says, but after Misa, he can't see me. So I remember as kids, anyway, we must have heard this message. You always imagine that God is like this tremendous flash of lightning. If you see it, you just die from looking at it. Like I guess a movie, our mind was filled with, with a movie type of understanding. So there's, it's like this big, tremendous, you know, atomic bomb that when you see it, you, you just die of, I don't know, fright or, or overwhelmed or whatever it is. That's childish. That's silly, obviously. What does it mean what you see him after he dies or when he dies? The difference is because as long as the soul and the mind is in the brain, it's wearing gloves. And its understanding is through that. And therefore, it, it always has a blunted version of, of, its, of, of, a, um, of, of what it's handling. And it cannot reach the clarity. So seeing a Kaddish Baruch Hu says means having an absolute clear understanding of what it is a Kaddish Baruch Hu is. Understanding the concept in, its, in the way it should be understood, purely abstract, pure, you know, in, in, in the way it should be, that a person can't do. Um, the, uh, and that's what the Ram says, the difference between seeing something up front. A person's front side has a clarity of features. It's, it's sharply defined. You've got the nose, the eyes, and everything else. The back of the person is a blur. And that's why it gives you a general sense of the person. It doesn't give you that... When you see a person's face, it, 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 people... It leaves a very strong impression on people. People see a face, they remember it. it it's, it's very haunting when you see a face, and, and you know you know the face, but this, you, know, you can't figure out who it is. I remember once I had experience. Very funny, in Yeshiva, it was... Um, when the Zman was over, like, you know, Ben Zman during vacation time, so I was sitting with a very close friend of mine on the bus, and an Israeli soldier gets on the bus, sits down across from us, and we both looked at each other, and we had this creepy feeling. It wasn't very creepy. And then the soldier started, like, leering at us, or, or, or laughing, and it, it was, it was like creepy, it was creepy, and I couldn't, and I was sitting there, and it's one of these things where there's something very, very creepy, okay? About 20 minutes ago, we realized it was one of our friends who, for goofing, he, had, he got dressed up as a soldier. <laughs> and, you know, so you're looking at this person, you're, you know, your inner sense of recognition says, I know him, 
your mind says, no, I don't know any soldiers and, and I don't know anybody. And, and there's something very, dis- because you recognize a person, you know, you see a face, you recognize it. And, and um, the, the, so, so the, the sharpness of recognition of a face carries in itself sort of precise because the face is so finely aligned, it's got so many lines and sharp features, it leaves that impression. Yeah. When, when God would give a prophetic communication right. to, a, to a prophet, Right. Was he, was God interfacing with the physical brain of that human being, or was, it, or was there a sort of a, a complete circumvention of the human um, brain, and was it really something direct, directly into the... Uh, the, the, the okay, the, the language called, the language used in a lot of, um, of the Farshim is called Ein HaSeichel, the eye of the brain. But the, the, in the brain itself, the, what what is what's written is you have two you have two faculties ultimately one is rational and one is fantasy prophecy came via fantasy because fantasy is the ability to grab things not with logical terms but intuition fantasy it came via that way you know it's not via rational channel it says that a dream is one sixtieth of a prophecy which one sixtieth means a taste of. That's that's the one sixtieth in halach is a taste of something. It is something of a taste of prophecy in the sense that a person gets a sense of things. But for for a lot of people, a dream can just be a cluttered up, you know, feeling uh, just rehashing what he thought in a day. It, dream can be a vehicle for prophecy. It's not necessarily prophecy. So the Rambam says, Moshe Rabbeinu was asking that his grasp of a Baruch who's being be as sharp and as clear as when you see a person face to face. That sharpness means it's not an idea anymore. It's something that 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 I've I have it. It's it has no vagueness to it and and, and it's it's clear. So he says, let's see it inside. And and the difference between when you see, you know, without glasses, if you look at a person's face and, you, and your sight is bad enough, it looks like somebody's, it looks like the back. You know, you don't have the sharpness of the features, and you just have a general sense of, of a person. Okay, so let's go see the Rabbi getting inside. What did Moshe want from Akadosh Baruch Hu when he said, show me your glory? He wanted to know, recognize the truth of God's existence, that the concept, meaning the concept, not whether it's true or not, but the true understanding of God's existence, until it become as clear to him, like the way you would know somebody that you've seen his face. And his, his face or his features or his general form became inscribed to you. It became very, a very clear entity. That person is a separate unit in his mind than other people. Which is the point that we spoke about resolution. If you see a crowd of people and you're not focused on anybody in particular. So you say, well, uh, uh, it's a group of people. It's a sea of humanity. I, I, I have a sense that this person was there, but I can't actually recognize him. It's, it's, it's like the same way, for instance, if you see a crowd of people, 
you, you've, uh, and afterwards I were to show you pictures of, um, of the people in the crowd, you'd have to be really, really sharp to pick out the people you saw. You'd have to be phenomenal memory or trained in, in, in you know, like a, a cop where, where, you, where you're mentally jotting down faces. A normal person put into a crowd of strangers, and afterwards, even if you'd give him the shot, you know, the, 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 the um, pictures, he couldn't pick them out. On the other hand, if you knew people specifically beforehand, and then you stood in the crowd, you'd remember, ah, there's Jack, there's Jim, there's Chaim, there's so on. The reason is because once the person becomes a reality to you, you have him the way he is, then he, he's meaningful. In other words, so yes, this is a Reuven, this is Shimon, this is Levin, this is so on. There's another place where you can test it. The same thing, if I'm not, I don't have, I don't have a terrible, great background in, uh, in uh, art or paint. So someone were to ask me what color, uh, you know, color, if, if this is painted a bunch of colors, I couldn't tell anybody afterwards what color it was. Even if they would show me the colors, I, I would have a hard time really um, figuring out what it was or remembering it. But someone who knows the name of the colors before and takes a look and says, ah, this is orchid purple and this is this and this is that, he would remember it very well because it's, 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 got, it's a reality to him. It's got a certain mitzvah. So he wanted to have that type of recognition of Kaddish Baruch We see a Kaddish Baruch in the world. We know, we understand it, but it's mingled in with other things. It's mingled in with science and history and ideas about a powerful father. And it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't have the sharp clarity that, that really would define a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Um, so that's what he means. This person is separate in his mind from other people. It's, got, it's, it's not just a blur. Ah, that's Chaim and that's Shimon and that's Reuven and that's Levi. Kach bikesh Moshe Rabbeinu lios metzias HaKadosh Baruch Hu nefredes belibo mishar metzias nimtzoyim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted, Moshe wanted that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's existence should be, the word nefredes means separate, but I, I, I think it means in resolution, resolved. Misham, it says, so I'm distinct from anything else. So that he understands Akadish Baruchu the way he really is. Yeah. answered, It is impossible for a person who is a combination of a body and a soul, to understand this clearly. Uh, this, that is exactly the point we made. We, our mind is wedded to our brain. That is, that what it means that man is a combination of a soul and a body. And, and the uh, Ramos says that that's the, when we make the bracha of Hashayotzar, and we say mafilasis, is that the body is a soul and a body merged together, that is really a, that's what we refer to. He says that's, that is the ultimate wonder in the world. And, and let me explain what that one. Biologically, obviously, the human body is marvelous. But a dog, in a sense, is not less marvelous than a body, um, as far as the lifeness of it, you know, it's, if if they would be able to produce a, a dog from uh, completely you know, from chemicals, a, a human being theoretically would be the same. Was, there isn't much more life 
in, in, that we can see it's, it's more intelligent than this whatever other areas we can deal with we can but there is something else when it say that the extraordinary wedding of a person's body to the Shema, it means as follows the the the, the neshama has a set of feelings that are completely um, non bodily. It it's got a tremendous feeling of chesed, which a body doesn't. Uh, a a you know physical body, if it's hungry, someone else is hungry. It wants to eat first. There is no way that the body can enjoy somebody else sitting and eating. Um, it, the the soul has got a tremendous feel for kedusha. Which is for the body a denial. It, it's you know the body wants something and it, and and the soul has sort of has a feeling, a positive feeling for kedusha. It's got a negative feeling about indulgence, which the body does not, and so on. And the body has its own agenda. It's, it it enjoys things that are pleasant, sweet, and physical, and does not enjoy anything that's that's the that's that's the opposite. It doesn't enjoy fasting and kippah. The body is not like fasting and kippah. It doesn't like foregoing uh, uh you know uh something that's not kosher and it's very tasty. It doesn't enjoy uh, kedusha doesn't doesn't enjoy anything. Now the yet somewhere in the person's it's two things. The person senses kedusha. For instance, eating the Shama doesn't have any sense of Kedusha not eating on Yom Kippur because not eating on Yom Kippur, it, doesn't, it never eats, the Shama never has to eat, and, and, and not eating is not something that's, that, that is, would give it any feelings. But the body denying itself and feeling the pain of not eating, and at the same time the Shama being aware of how much of a madrega that is, inspires a person. So all of a sudden the person feels Kedusha. Uh, uh, the person's body is, it, it has its physical dis- drives and then Kedusha comes along and says it's prohibited and somewhere to, together with, if the body wouldn't have any drives then there would not be any feeling of elevation of Kedusha. There wouldn't be any feeling of satisfaction. It's, it's, it's as if there's one unit that feels the deprivation and, and the happiness that it, it can bring itself to it for doing the right things, so so. It's not kind It's working in tandem. Um, let's let's again. Let's take the example we was used with a teacher because that's, I guess, as close as we can get to. A person is very skilled at teaching children that are very um, learning disabled. So. For that type of teacher, you take a kid who's got a good head, and you teach him, this is all of base, gimel, dal, hey, vav. Kid reads it like a lock, reads it. So fine, kid knows it very well. I don't get a tremendous sense of satisfaction out of it. It's, it's, I sit with a kid who's, who's frustrated, and we have to go over it again and again, and I use different techniques, and I bring out, it's the feeling of the frustration that gives me the satisfaction when it comes through. It, it, the reason why Kedusha is a good feeling is because there's a sense of having to discipline yourself, there's a sense of pain or denial, and, but it's, it's bringing out something better in me. That, that group of feelings is the wedding of, of, of the Guf and the Shama together. It's only possible because you have them together. So everything that we have is Guf and the Shama together, not simply, well, the body does its part, you, know, you couldn't put on film without a body on it. Fine, that's true. But we're talking about much deeper. Everything that we have 
in, 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 in everything that we can sense is because there's a guf and a sham together. So, as, as we said before, our thinking and understanding only works through guf and neshama. For us, abstract concepts are simply a sum total of a lot of different physical realities. Nobody saw gravity, but they saw an apple fall, and they saw a, 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 a stone fall, and they saw this and that. So, so the picture of the common denominator is gravity. So the, 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 we are, that works for everything because we are Guf Neshama, except for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because somewhere along the line, that is not a perfect concept of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So as long as a person is Guf and Neshama, that's what he is. And, and he is that in his very essential self. That's what a person is. A person is the two things together. He cannot understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu as it is. So what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu tell him? V'hodiyo Baruch Hu mashalo yoda odom lefonov v'loyeda la'achrov. HaKadosh Baruch Hu did tell him things that no one before him, no one else will know. Ad, shehisig mamitas himotsoi, dova shenif HaKadosh Baruch Hu midaitoi, misharnim tzoim. He was able to understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the following clarity. Kemoi sheyipareid echad min ha'anoshim shera achorov. The way you would see someone that you could only see his backside. And he was able to see his body and his clothing um, and, and that way distinguished from other people. So the Ramam says on, uh, uh, the second half as well. The, the Ramam is, is learning, the Ramam is, is explaining us one of the deep passions in the Torah in, in his way. The, the back of a person, you primarily pick up external trappings. If, if let's say I point out to somebody the back of somebody. So you see the size, you see how he walks, you, you see the clothing, you, 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 you get a feeling about, and you'll say, I recognize his walk, it's too big, he's too small. I'm picking sort of more external factors. When I see the back, if I recognize somebody by having looked at his back once, I can see, I, I, it's more external, clothing, walk, and so on. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, you will see me from, my, from the back. That means the interaction of Hashem in the world, you will be able to grasp completely. But you won't have that feeling where you can pinpoint it conceptually. That's what he says. What a person will not know, no one else knew this. And that's what it says, Moshe Rabbeinu knew more than anyone else understanding HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He was, he was the highest prophet. This happens to be one of the essential components of, um, of, of uh, Amuna, that no prophet had as close a sense of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as Moshe Rabbeinu. And, 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 it, and this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, you'll see, like the, see the outside of a person. Um, I just want to add that the, the uh, Chazal used an expression to describe this difference. And the word they used was Aspaklaria Hameira and Aspaklaria Sheinemira. Aspaklaria is either a mirror or like a telescope of sorts, a glass. It, it's more, uh, it, the sense of it is a glass which allows a person to look at something else. 
Um, the Ram himself defines a spaklaria in Pirish Amishnais in Nida. He defines a spaklaria um, as some sort of, it's, it's, a, it's glass used, I wasn't clear if it was a mirror or it was, it was to look out like a window. But in either case, there are two reasons why looking out from a window or looking through a mirror or a telescope um, gives you a, a distorted picture. The first one is that there are some impurities in the glass itself. There is a, a you know, if no glass is perfect. You know, if, they're not, if it's not cleaned for sure, the, 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 um, it's not good. But even if it's cleaned, there is some sort of impurity in it, that in, in the casting it and so on, which gives you a false picture. So that was true of everybody, except for Moshe Benu, who was pure totally and was able to see it. But like we said before, glass itself has its own um, its own metzias. The glass is also something. And even if it's transparent, it's got certain characteristics. And those characteristics have to distort the picture. You have something between you and that. If that, if that was totally transparent, it means it doesn't exist. You, it's, it's got some property of it. It's, it, 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 it's atoms take up one tiny point. You cannot, if you're looking through a glass, then you don't really see the picture. So that amount, Moshe Rabbeinu also had, because he had a body. It was a pure body. It was holy. It was elevated. Everything possible in a body, he did. But that's still not perfect, because the glass is something. The glass takes up, you know, the atoms take up a space in, in, in space. It's not, there's nothing as, as being 100% transparent. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, At shehisik me'amitas himotzei dova shenifrat HaKadosh Baruch Hu b'dayitim v'sharanim tzorim, k'mo she'yipareit echad menanoshim sh'ro'a chorov, v'hisik kol gufa v'avusho b'dayitim v'sharanim The way somebody would able to see someone with his back to him, and he would therefore get a certain understanding of him by seeing his body and his clothing and recognize him as such. And this is what the, the um, uh, Pasuk is alluding at. And he says, You can see my back, but not my front. That is how the Ramah learns that parasha over here. Uh, and that's why he taught Moshe Rabbeinu the 13 ways of the third middos of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, because those are characteristics of Hashem. The way, like looking at you, I could see from the back. I could see you're tall, you're broad, you're not broad. You know, those are things I could see, but not the thing itself. I want to add on a little. Uh, yeah. We said before that um, the the body helped a person get holy because it's overcoming the body. Right. So if Moshe Rabbeinu had less quote unquote of a body, so how how is it that he became he lessened the cold of his body right, when he right. So that's less ability to get holy, no? No, but the, 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 the body itself is um, you don't need to pollute it in order to make it a tool for um, l- l- let me give you an example if if a person if a person's brain was like a tape recorder then or like a video camera then knowing what you studied for a test is meaningless 
you just photograph it. That's that, right? If you have a very difficult head and you have to work hard, you appreciate it a lot. True. But even if you have a good head, the fact that you simply have to study it once, the fact that you have to learn it, you know, it's not automatic by looking at it becomes engraved. But looking at that process is enough to give you an understanding of what it means to study. Uh, uh, you know, the the we understand the word to study because we can't just look at it and, and it's there. I mean, some people can, and you know, I, I assume the people that supposedly can. But so for those people, there's no art of studying, and they don't feel anything about it. But if you have to at least read it and understand it once, that gives you a sense of studying. You can maybe appreciate it a lot when you do, but the sense is the same thing. Also, the kedushas, the body does not. The body is pain. The Torah calls him kippa. Deprivation, vinisem. So deprivation you can only feel when there's a body that likes to eat, that has some sense of hunger. Yeah. Couldn't you also say that, that the higher the madrega somebody is on, that even even a small amount of impurity to somebody on a high madrega is is is, is an equal challenge. In other words, true, true. You know, somebody was is very holy, but but his. His Yitzhahar is, is different than somebody else's. That, that's that's def- it's definitely true. But, but, but you don't even need Yitzhahar. The very fact that you have a body tells you, Ketusha, there is no tzaddik that doesn't want to eat. But there's a tzaddik that's easier for him maybe to, to refrain from eating something he shouldn't. There, there's nobody that doesn't want to have a family. Versus a big time to eat is not necessarily get more Ketusha for... Exactly, it. exactly. You get more reward, you get a stronger feeling. But the concept of, 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 of Ketusha is... There was a, I, I, I once saw a scene that... You know, it's, it's one of these things that sort of shock you when, when somebody's of a different reality. A, a, a friend of mine, actually he's a, he's a cousin of mine, also by marriage, related marriage, had a child who had a very rare condition that the doctors could not figure out. Now it's, as from when he was a few months old, he started losing weight terribly. It, it looked like, like, like he got a facial cancer. And they took him to the States. Susan lives in Israel. And they ran test after test after test, and batteries of tests. They couldn't come up with anything. The, the, and the child is now, I must say, he must be now a mid-teenager. But the bottom line is, this child has no appetite. He, he's a fine kid, but he's got no appetite whatsoever. Just doesn't have an appetite. And the, the, it, but I was sitting with him once in Mastoro. We had like a kfiz. We, we, we both have in Shiva, and I sit next to him. And so the father is there, and he tells his son, Chaim Kik, go in and eat. So he looks at his father, he says, Tati, he says, I ate yesterday, do I have to eat today again? And, like, and I looked at it, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out, but, you know, that was it, and that was the only thing really wrong. You know, he lost his weight, so he had no appetite. So, basically, they put him on a mechanical schedule, he still is like that. I mean, he's, Baruch Hashem, he's grown up, he's a little bit on the short side. But he, he's missing a little bit height and growth, but not, nothing, but everything else, I mean, is very fine developed, in every way possible. He, but you know, I, I say to myself, you know, he just doesn't understand, like, for him, Yom Kippur is, is fine, it's a great day, it, it doesn't bother him. It, it, it's not like a grown-up who's a big tzaddik, who still hurts and doesn't eat, but, but he feels so kadosh. Like, okay, today's no lunch, you know, like, well, big deal. You know, I, you need to have an awareness of it. You don't have to suffer to understand it, but the word vinisa, the Torah said, you, you shall be... Let me just say, Imon of Vuchim, he goes through this parasha. Live long enough, you see every, every condition. You know, like, it's incredible. You don't think something like that exists. It exists. It simply doesn't have an appetite. Um, in Imon of Vuchim, he interprets it. Um, 
um, he adds a moment of that Moshe Rabbeinu asked for two separate things. One of them he asked was to understand, grasp by Kaddish Baruch Hu's reality, exactly what he says over here. And the second thing is that he asked to understand how Kaddish Baruch Hu interacts with the world. So on the first one he told him, you can't know it, but he said, and he, this is where he do- drops a little, a little bit, he says, I will tell you where to stand and to look at it, or where, how to go about understanding so that you get the maximum person can understand, which is again seeing the backside. But he, the only thing he adds over here is, the, 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 um, he says, you will, I'll tell you where to be in the Nikos Atsur, where to stand to be able to see it. He said, I'll basically explain to you how to approach it. And then the most of most of uh, of the Rambam. Right, right, right. And as the koisis kapiyalecha, and I'll put my my hand, so to speak, over you. And then he says, but the rest of it. So he said, so he said Moshe was asking for two separate things. The, the first, he told him you can't um, see. To understand me, you'll never be able to understand it perfectly. But how I interact with the world, that I'm willing, that I can share with you, and that I won't share. That, that's what Rambam speaks about in Moshe. Is, is there is there an explanation that? Why at that juncture in the Torah, Moshe Okay, so I right, right. I I once spoke about. It. I mean, he doesn't say. It, it, it seems to be like the most incongruent place. I mean, Akash Baruch says, um, you know, I'm about to destroy Klal Yisrael, and Moshe Rabbeinu says, one second, but you know, I've got this real tremendous piece of Kabbalah I'd like to learn. Like, like what, the pshat's like this. There's there's a. Um, there's a Gemara that says that Rabbeinu Akadosh was dying, and they, and they said anyone who's going to come in and say that he's sort of praying very hard for him, and they said that any time if anyone will come in and say he died, we will kill him. So the Shita Mukabetzis explains why. I think he brings a Rashi of a first edition. Or why? So the Shita says because once a person knows that someone else died, he can no longer die for him. I understand it to mean, not only because you're not allowed to, I mean, but a person, if prayer means that there's some sense of hope. You know, I, I know, that's why people, God forbid, certain diseases, people feel easier to pray for, certain less. It's, it's, if the person is aware that there's hope, that's why it's a good thing to see the positive sides of what what can do. And the, and and so you follow, if you if you know in the back of your mind that it's not a nice nigla, but there's one percent chance, then fine, you follow. You know, one percent chance is a chance. It's it's not you know it's not a. When a person has a sense of hopelessness or hopelessness, then there's no tefillah. So that's why they said if someone comes and say he died, that will kill our tefillah. As long as we know that he's holding on, we can still have tefillah. Moshe, Akashpokhu told Moshe Rabbeinu, it's over. Klaisol is doomed. Akashpokhu said it quite finally. There was no place, in other words, within the realm of God, as Moshe Rabbeinu understood him, there was no makom for tefillah. And therefore, he couldn't, he couldn't be mispowered. He said, I know that there's another level of anhaga that gives hope, even in this case. There's, there's a class A drug that, that can work in this case also. Explain it to me, let me get a feel that there's another group of middles, and so so I can dive with that. In other words, I need to see where it is that Akash Baruch allows that even after he's sealed a in, that's still more filler. 
So on there, Akash Baruch said, yes, Hashem, Hashem, Kerachon, Vechanan, and so on. Those are those those middles are beyond the normal middles. Those are those are called the very high middles of Akash Baruch and that's why that's why in that particular place he revealed it. That's the. Okay, are we going to have my after? What's the story? Yeah. yeah this.